Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So you switched your podcast from Battle Ready to yeah. Mindshift. Mind shift, yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. But we've thought about changing the name for years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, we started Battle Ready because uh, seven years ago I had cancer. Wow. And I was writing a book called The Last Arrow. And I finished it before I had surgery in case I didn't come out of that wow. surgery. And when I lived, Aaron said, Dad, if you had died, there's so many questions I would have never had a chance to ask you. So could we start a podcast so I could ask you all these questions and then we could share them with the world. And so that's actually how we started Battle Ready. And then Battle Ready is the last chapter of the book, The Last Arrow. Wait, I can't believe it. That's yeah. so funny because we brought you on here today literally to answer our questions. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's so incredible. First of all, hi guys. Hi guys. Girls Gone Bible, we love you guys so much. Today is a huge day for us. It's our first guest ever, Erwin Raphael McManus. We are so honored. honored to have you, truly. I have been going to Mosaic. So Erwin is the lead pastor at Mosaic in mm-hmm. Hollywood and Pasadena. I've been going to Mosaic for about two years now. Wow. And I, when I first moved back to Hollywood, I lived two minutes down the street from Mosaic. And I remember I kept passing by Mosaic and I had never been to a Christian church. I had only been to Catholic churches. And I was two minutes away from it and I kept passing it and I just walked in one Sunday and you were speaking, and I'm not even kidding, that day changed my life. It changed Mm. my faith. Mm -hmm. I have always had a heart for Jesus. I love him. I've always loved him, but you truly gave me a mind for Jesus, and I really mean that with my whole heart. You, the way that you speak and your sermons are so, they're so intellectual. You're obviously one of probably the smartest people on the planet, Um, and it's just you changed my faith completely. You made me so interested in the Bible and your sermons are so educational and we're just so honored, honored. to have you today. Thank you for being here. Wow, thank you so much. And I can't believe um, the incredible impact you guys have had in such a short amount of time. It's, it's really amazing. Thank, thank you, you so much. You make me nervous because you, you say the same line. <laughs> at the same time in the same tone and you don't even know you do it it's really and, weird and so i'm 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 real nervous <laughs> i feel so like weird. i feel like i'm in a stephen king movie right I now know, i know <laughs> so. we have sh- everybody in the comments say we can't tell the difference between you guys and both of our hair is lighter now and so it's just really it's a problem morphing into each other but basically this is what today's episode is going to be mm-hmm. we when we thought about having you on we thought what could we do with him we could ask about your life you're yeah. so interesting what could we do and i realized that Just like Aaron had so many questions for you, I have so many questions for you. And we got a list of questions. We talked to people, we put a poll on the Instagram, and we got a list of questions of the way that people basically question Christianity and Mm -hmm. Jesus and the Bible, and there's nobody else better to answer this than you. Yes. So before we get into that, I am (laughs) so curious to ask uh, what your spiritual life looks like. Like every day... Your alone time with Jesus, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you sent me some of the questions ahead of time, or at least you sent them to Aaron. Yeah. And then, and, then, uh, uh, and then Aaron sent them to me last night. And when I read the first question about what's my spiritual life look like, my immediate thought was, 
it looks like my regular life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think of a spiritual life and a unspiritual life. Yeah. yeah. But it has um, changed over the decades. I mean, I, I just turned 65, and yeah. I've been a follower of Jesus now for 45 years. And so it looked different in the beginning. Mm, mm, yeah. In, in the beginning of my faith, because I, I grew up incredibly irreligious, so it was all brand new to me. I'd never seen a Bible my whole life. I, wow. I, I really didn't know anything about Jesus. So when I first became a follower of Jesus, I was memorizing verses every single day wow. and, and um, talking to God all the time, yeah. uh, talking to everyone I met mm. about God, because I was you know, a little crazy about whatever I did in life. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and then I, uh, somebody gave me a devotional called um, My, Utma, My Utma, Utmost for His Highest. And wow. uh, I think it's a guy named Oswald Chambers or something like that. And, and I would use that every day as a devotional. And then uh, I think when I was in, uh, at Chapel Hill my senior year, I decided to see how much I could memorize in a day. And the most I ever memorized of the Bible in a day was uh, the first chapter of James. Wow. And so I realized, okay, I can memorize a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I just really just started um, integrating the Bible in my life, just reading it over and over and over again. And it, so I don't do that as much now. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think 90% of my spirituality is listening. Wow. It's like paying attention and just uh, trying to be aware of what God may be doing around me. Yeah. And it's not as, uh, I'm not a, a highly structured person. Yeah. You know, and so I'm more like a life surfer. I just move through life as it moves and I pay attention to what God is saying. And, and, and it's very, very personal and intimate to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, just like this past week, um, I did a talk, or a couple of weeks ago, I did a talk called Singularity. Yeah. And then last week I did a talk on, um, on leverage. And what happened is I was pumping gas for Kim because she had no gas in her car. That's, and, uh, so she's Pastor sitting in the car. Kim is the best, his and wife. I, I'm putting gas in the car, and I hear this phrase in my head, um, I appealed to Caesar. Now, I don't think I'd seen that in the Bible in years. Mm-hmm. It just sort of dropped into my, my soul. Yeah. And I go around the car, I tap on Kim's window, and I go, I think I'm going to speak in Pasadena this Sunday, and I think I'm going I'm to talk about I appealed to Caesar. And so it works the other way around for me. I, I can't even explain it. Sometimes it just drops into my soul. And then I go, okay, now i got to spend the rest of the week figuring out what this means. We get a lot of questions. How do we decipher God's voice? Mm-hmm. Between your own voice and God's voice. Yeah. I wish there were only two voices in my head. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Seriously. And, uh, I have a very crowded room. Yeah. And a lot of voices in, in <laughs> my head. And, and, and people do ask me, you yeah. know, how do I distinguish between God's voice and, and my voice and everything? And, I, and one of the things I tell people is, look, I... Um, I pay attention to the voice that calls me to my highest self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, pay, uh, I pay attention to the voice that calls me to the most courageous life, yeah. to the most honorable life, to the most noble or compassionate life. And so whenever I hear a voice that's challenging me to step up my life, my game, yeah. then I, I accept that as God's voice yeah. in my life. Yeah, 100%. I remember one time this guy, uh, I was in Toronto, and this guy was an engineer. He was from China, and he's an atheist. And he came up to me and he said, hey, you were talking about God's voice. You know, what does God's voice sound like? Yeah. I said, well, you just told me you're an atheist, so it sounds like nothing. Wow. And, uh, yeah. and he goes, no, no, but for you, mm-hmm. what does God's voice sound like? And I, I remember asking him, I said, um, why did you come up here? And he goes, it's yeah. a huge auditorium. You have to work your way up here. And he goes, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, why did you come and ask me that question? He goes, well, I just wanted to know what God's voice sounds like. I said, is it possible there was a little voice in your head that was saying, there is a God. I have those There things. is a God. 
Yeah. And, and, I, and I said, you ever have that little voice in your head? You don't even believe in God, but that little voice is telling you there is a God. Yeah. But you don't know how it got in there because it's supposed to be you. Yeah. And I said, it's like a parasite in your head, eating away at your rational belief there's no God. And that little voice keeps saying, there's a God, there's a God. He goes, yes. He goes, it's like a parasite in my head. I can't get it out. Wow. And I said, that voice that's eating away at your doubt, that's God. Yeah. Wow. And, and I've just accepted over my lifetime that um, that voice that keeps fighting for me, mm. that's God. Yeah. Oh, you know, when, when so I feel much. like I, I, I'm not, I have no value mm-hmm. and that voice says, no, nah, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I just, I know that's God. When, when I'm filled with fear and I think, I don't know if I can do this, and there's a little voice that says, no, nah, you got this. Uh, yeah. I just know that's God. A hundred percent. And sometimes I go, I do not want to forgive that person. And that little voice goes, uh, but you're going to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. I know that's God. And that's oh irritating. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, we always say that, that if you, if, 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 you, like, God is for you, obviously. So yes. if you ever have a thought that is against yourself, that's not from you and that's not from God because God will never be against you. Yeah. So any thoughts that you have that are positive, uplifting, encouraging, that's God. That's God talking to you. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. You said about how your spiritual life looks so different and it's because when you started you built it on such a solid foundation of scripture and Mm -hmm. all we talk about like girls gone bible we're obsessed with the bible when we both started reading the bible we realized like we had gone our whole lives loving jesus without really even knowing who he was you know and so when we started reading scripture it just it changes you forever well do you want to get into the real (laughs) crux of the atheist questions all right I actually heard you speak on this in a sermon one time, um, but I want you to tell everybody today, why in the Bible is God referred to as he? Does he have a gender? That, you know, when you um, ask that question, my immediate thought was, I have no idea. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but so I started uh, processing that, and I thought, well, first of all, you need to understand that we live in a culture where um, if you're, uh, from one view, he is a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And if, you, um, if you're living in our, like our gender conflict culture, it feels as if God, um, if, that, if that's what God did, he's preferring men over women yeah. mm. or that women are now being demeaned. So I want to be really clear that whatever the overarching reason is, God sees no conflict between men and women, male and female. He sees both as equally beautiful and valuable. Yeah. Wow. So if God would choose a pronoun to describe himself, it's not because he thought the other was less. Mm-hmm. He just didn't think that um, it was demeaning to be one. But remember, any language about God is limited and inadequate. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. even if the Bible uses the word he, which it does, it's, that's too limiting because God's also spirit. Right. Yeah. And Jesus had no problem using a female image when he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to hold you in my arms. Like a mother hen holds her chicks. So Jesus had no problem using a feminine metaphor to describe who God is. But I also started thinking God is, is, um, in a sense, putting together this beautiful puzzle. If God had used feminine language, knowing that the virgin birth was going to be the entry point of the Messiah, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have worked. The language of God being a he created the space for Mary being a she. And so that God would be, in a sense, Jesus's father, and Mary would be the mother of Jesus. Yeah. And so I, I think God is always working from a, a bigger story. Yeah. And um, and remember, the Bible says God created them um, 
it says he created a male, male and female. Yeah. Uh, he created man, male and female. So when we think of man, we go, wait a minute, that's masculine. Yes. But in the Bible, man isn't masculine. It's gender neutral. Right. Because yeah. man is male and female. Right. It refers to just mankind in general. Yeah. 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 But I, I think there was a time where um, fathers were popular, <laughs> where, it was, where it was a good thing yes. to be a man, where a man expressed um, the right virtues of yeah. nobility and honor and yes. courage. And, yes. and, uh, and, and um, in the story of Adam and Eve, Adam was first the progenitor. And what God is really saying is, I'm first. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing before me. I, I heard you speak in a sermon. I wanted to ask this question because you, I think a couple of years ago I heard you speak one time and you said society and culture mm -hmm. in general, they have an issue with God being father mm -hmm. because everybody has, a lot of people have such a broken relationship with their fathers. And you, you spoke to that just kind of being like, almost apologizing on behalf of all those fathers that they let you down but just letting you know God will never let you down yeah. mm -hmm. you know yeah no I think I think the reason so many people feel offended that God's yeah. called fathers because they have father issues right yeah. so you end up with God issues yeah because you go wait a minute if God is like my father I don't I don't want to have anything to do with God yeah exactly and no God is what your father should have been mm -hmm. and and as your father will be mm-hmm does it matter if we pr oh, okay does it matter if we pray to jesus more than god does it matter who you pray to in the holy trinity like yeah. for example i mostly speak to jesus like that's mm -hmm. like w what i refer to him fundamentally doesn't matter but it does make a difference right uh, angela yeah if um you had a boyfriend yeah and he just said uh, woman <laughs> and, uh, and he just always called you woman or girl right and never used your name you think what's going on mm -hmm. you know do you know me right when i use the word god i think of our search for him wow. well when i use the name jesus think of him searching for me mm -hmm. and so when we talk about god it's usually because we can only see the back of god's head but we don't know who he is right and when you use the name Jesus, it's as if God has turned around and now you see his face. Mm. And, and, and so I, I, would, I felt comfortable talking about God before I knew who God was. Yeah. yeah. But when I came into a relationship with God, it became more natural for me to talk about Jesus. Yeah. And so when I pray, I actually pray to Jesus. And because he is the, um, he's the person of God that revealed himself to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so there's an intimate relationship there. Yeah. You know. Okay, guys. <laughs> today we have a sponsor that we're so excited about. It is Miracle Made. I don't know if you guys know this, but bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat. Like it can lead to acne, a stuffy nose, allergies, and it's just gross yeah. altogether. But we have a solution and that solution is Miracle Made Sheets. They have sheets, they have pillowcases, and they have comforters. And it's self-cleaning, self-cooling, and it's overall so much better. What I love is they have silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA that has a cooling, which I always get hot in the middle of the night, so it's per it's a perfect temperature all night. Exactly, and because of that silver-infused fabric, it's self-cleaning as well, and it prevents 99.7% of bacterial growth. 
the sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxurious brands and they feel nicer than the sheets at the five star hotels. And Miracle Sheets are designed for your skin. You guys, stop sleeping on bacteria. It's so bad for yes. you. It can lead to clogged pores that lead to acne and breakouts. Okay, GGB gang, go to trymiracle.com slash GGB to try Miracle Sheets today. If you order today, you'll get 40% off. And if you use the code GGB, you'll get a free three-piece towel set and an extra 20% off. Miracle is so confident in their product. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you get a full refund. You guys, upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. You're going to want to go to trymiracle.com GGB and use code GGB for 40% off and a free three-piece towel set. Again, that's trymiracle.com GGB. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this video. Do you pray every day? Oh, yeah. I pray all the time. You pray all the time. Yeah, but I would say that at this point in my life, Praying is 90% listening and 10% asking. Ooh. I almost don't ask for things. Wow. Almost ever. In fact, every once in a while I have to remind myself, oh, you, you should probably ask. Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, that's, I think, the place we can all want to strive to get to is where we listen because I know it's so funny. I was actually in prayer yesterday and I had a moment where I recently I have been feeling like I, I just I wanted to feel God's presence more mm -hmm. I wanted to have an encounter and that really spiritual stuff that we all long mm -hmm. for when you've had it before because you know it feel Jesus is always within us but yeah. mm -hmm. we want to feel that you know presence. crazy encounter and I had a moment yesterday in prayer where I really took my time and I stayed and I finally felt like I really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and I I all I, I I had a thought that was like you can have this all the time. You don't stay long enough. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. get down for one second, say a quick prayer, and then you get up and you go. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> you have to try. You have to sit and listen and wait for me. It's not just about you talking the whole time. You know. I love that. No, that's really really good. I think that praying should be like breathing. Yeah. It should it should just be a natural part of our life. And what I tell people is, look. God doesn't want you to feel bad about the fact that you, you were not praying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The moment you're aware of, oh, wow, I feel like I've drifted away or I feel like I've, I've stopped paying attention to God's presence, that's the moment where God's trying to get your attention. Yeah. Wow. And so the moment you go, oh, I should, I should have prayed, it's just God tapping you going, hey, I'm here. Mm. And I just want you to be aware of me right now. So good to and know. Then you just move right into it. Yeah. That's really wonderful. It's so easy too. Yeah. We make it really complicated and difficult when you, as you said, it should just be like breathing just all day. That's all you should do. And I think it's because a lot of times in our relationships, yeah. when there's a little bit of separation, yeah. you have to re-earn the relationship. Yeah. It, wow. I mean, I've been married 40 years and when I would travel, I'd come back. I had, I had to spend like two or three days re-earning the right to be home. <laughs> Because wow. Kim, she wasn't mad that I was gone, but she was mad that I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> the best. She's and like, so great. Like, I come back and I'm like, we should pick up right where I left off. Yeah. And she's like, no, you've been gone. I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> well, God's not. <laughs> and uh, you don't have to do any penance with right. God. You don't, yeah. you don't have to re-earn intimacy with him. All you have to that's do is just lean I in. That's how I feel. That's so feel freeing. like that constantly. <laughs> that you have to re-earn yes. his presence. I know. That's so freeing to know. I know. Sometimes I think because we are so, like, we have such egos. You're so right about that relationships with other people. Our egos are so big, and we forget that God has no ego, and it's mm -hmm. really all, all he wants is for us to bring it to him and talk to him about it and have a relationship with him. If I repent, mm -hmm. I, I find myself repenting over and over again, but I don't think you need to do that, right? You, you 
you bring it to him, you repent, you say your forgiveness, and then you just move on, yeah, right? I, I what do you a, think about repenting? Yeah. I think a lot of us are spiritually OCD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. that's what <laughs> You're not repenting because God's mad. You're not repenting because God needs you to. You're repenting because you're trapped by shame mm-hmm. and guilt. Yeah, And you're, tr- you're hoping that some pattern will alleviate that guilt and shame from your life. Yeah. Because you can't just accept forgiveness. That's what it is. You know, wow. The only religion I had growing up was I was um, Roman Catholic. I was born Roman Catholic. Yeah. And so I went through confirmation and I prayed, you know, Lord's Prayer and I would do this all the time. And I would do, and I became so compulsive, I would do this all the time. And my mom would like, what did I do? Give birth to a priest? <laughs> and, but it's so because good. I was so ODC, OCD yeah. and, and I, then I integrated it into religion. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I, I got I to gotta do this. I got to do this. And, and then if I'd lose my shoes, I thought God was punishing me. If I lose my school books, I would say, I, that's, I would pray. I go, God, I don't know where I put my school books, but I actually thought he hit them. Wow. You know, I, I'll be a better person if you help me know where my, my books are. God, you know, I won't do that anymore. I say that all the time. And, uh, and, and I realized <laughs> that my entire view of God was this really malevolent, kind of like almost like dark, sinister person. Yeah who was holding all the things I've done wrong over me. Yeah. And and I and I finally realized, no, I'm just OCD. Yeah. <laughs> and I've attached it to yeah. this belief system. That's what it is, yeah. All these things that I'm doing, God doesn't need me to do. Yeah. We project yeah. so much onto God, so yeah. much onto God, our own insecurities and fears. and. Yeah, the hardest thing to do is to go, wow, I'm already forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you do a lot. I you do. I've, I've had a really, like, I, I have a very pure relationship with God in the sense that I know, I just, I, I know who, who he is and what he says about me and about him mm-hmm. and that I am forgiven and I don't need to hold shame or anything. Yeah. yeah. Anything. That's so really freeing, freeing, though. It is so freeing. I yeah. know. And I feel bad because I know a lot of people don't have that pure of a relationship with him because of external factors and things that have happened in their life and maybe their parents didn't forgive them mm-hmm. or they've never seen that unconditional love that God has for us manifested within their real relationships. Um, and that's really sad. Yeah. yeah. But God loves us. In yeah, a even way. when I was in seminary, I had so many people come up to me going, um, what is it about your relationship with God? Because I'm always feeling guilty and I'm always feeling shame and I'm yeah. always feel separated and how do you have such an intimate relationship with God? Yeah. And I said, here's the irony. You're probably a way better human being than me. <laughs> I think you read the Bible more than me. I think you pray more than me. Mm-hmm. I think you try so hard to be a better human being than me. I just know that um, my relationship with God is completely unconditional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I said, I think your problem is that you still believe you have to be good enough. And I came in knowing I couldn't be good enough, so I never had that burden on me. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. I knew I wasn't good enough. That's exactly <laughs> so now how I, I just feel. move forward. Yes, <laughs> so true. Point. It's yeah. so true. Why do bad things happen to good people? Like, say, so, you know, someone gets cancer and they're mm-hmm. praying and they're asking for healing, and sometimes they don't get that healing. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, one, it's interesting that we ask the question, "Why do bad things happen to good people?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. We never ask why do good things happen to bad people. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and that's true. One, the number one reason people would say they do not believe in God is, uh, I can't believe in God because they're suffering in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because bad things that's happen. That's the to number people. one thing people say. Yeah. yeah, but if you do not believe in God because they're suffering in the world, okay, let's just say then there is no God. Is there still suffering? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah. So if suffering exists and there is no God, then 
where does suffering come from? Most suffering comes from humans hurting each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why do we hold God accountable for what we do to each mm-hmm, other? Mm-hmm. And, and then don't blame each other, but we blame God. When a person says, I don't believe in God because there's so much suffering, boy, what you shouldn't believe in is humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, because it's humanity that actually has caused suffering. Yeah. So here's why bad things happen to good people. Because it's a broken world and suffering and pain are real. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I had cancer, it was, uh, we found it right before Christmas almost a couple of days before my wife's birthday. <sighs> and I never had the thought, like, why me? Yeah. Because my thought was like, why not me? I, I never had this thought of, oh, wait a minute, I've tried to follow God, and so he should protect me from cancer. I think one thing is that we've been taught the wrong thing. We've been taught that if you are sincere and you love God and you follow Jesus, that bad things will never happen to you. Yeah. We live in a broken world. Yeah. And from the moment you take your first breath, you're moving towards your last breath, whether you like it or not. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I mean, you know, in a sense, death, death always wins and it always loses. Wow. You know, because everyone dies physically, but what Jesus came to do was to make sure death didn't win, mm-hmm. yeah. even though we die. And, and so bad things happen to good people because we live in a broken, fragmented world. And by the way, if bad things didn't happen, we wouldn't be aware we needed God. Yeah. And, you know, so when I look at like my own, uh, you know, physical reality, I'm going, man, I am not who I was at 25. Yeah. You know, my body is fighting uh, to uh, stay alive and stay young and stay moving. And it reminds me that life is temporary. You know, when I had cancer, it reminded me that this life is filled with imperfection. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, I, and I think that, that if we didn't have that, we wouldn't believe that there's a problem. The Bible says that all creation groans for its redemption. Mm-hmm. What the Bible actually says is when we separated ourselves from God, all of creation went into disarray. So what it's saying is that every earthquake and tsunami and all the famines and the cancer and the disease and the sickness, all this exists because it is the external proof that our inner worlds are in a disaster. What you see on the outside is what's actually going on the inside. But if I told you bitterness is killing you, but you never saw sickness, you Mm -hmm. go, no, we're fine, but we're not. And what's so ironic is even now medicine tells us that so much of our physical illnesses are the result of our emotional, psychological, and spiritual illnesses yes yeah Yeah. i feel like i'm in church you i so we watched why jesus last night you guys can look it up it's why jesus um (laughs) it was amazing it's such a good sermon and you said in there you said nature might be a reflection of us not god yeah Mm -hmm. um because it's and and it's because god never intended right for all of the bad things to happen in the world he actually intended for us to live like a really beautiful life but Mm -hmm. because of the fall of man Adam and Eve, am I right? That's mm-hmm. what happened, and that's when sin entered the world. And because of our sin is the result of every natural disaster, emotional disaster, everything that happens. Mm-hmm. It's so funny when you look at the story in Genesis and you think, that's, that's ridiculous, that someone eating a fruit from one tree could cause all of creation to go into disarray. Yeah. Uh, but now we have complexity theory and quantum mechanics where we believe that if a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazon, it could affect an avalanche 
in Antarctica. Wow. And so what physics is actually teaching us is that one choice can have catastrophic effect across the entire universe. Mm -hmm. wow. So what we thought was a myth in the Bible actually is scientifically validated. And what the Bible is telling us is that, that God created humanity at the epicenter of creation. Mm -hmm. And our intimacy with him is what held the universe together. Mm -hmm. And when we were separated in our relationship with him, it not only broke us, it broke creation. Yeah. And so it's like creation is waiting for its redemption, and it only gets its redemption when we are restored to God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, can you believe that Adam and Eve did that? That they ate from the... I, I can believe can it because believe it? we do that all the time. I know. I know. We really do. I say, we read, we read... We, we do it every day, I all know. the time. Come on. We did an episode on betrayal and forgiveness, and I was sitting there saying how whenever I read um, the Gospels, and ever, whenever we get to Judas betraying Jesus, I always get like, I have a visceral reaction. I get so upset, and I'm like, how could you do that to Jesus? And then I'm like, I do that to Jesus yeah. every, every day. day. Yeah, But when you look at... I, I love Genesis, and I like the nuances in the first three chapters, when Adam and Eve sin and break their relationship with God, when they eat of that fruit, and God shows up in the garden, what's the first thing he asks them? I mean, if I were God, I would go, what were you thinking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I told you not to eat from that fruit, right? You know, I would be that Latin parent, you yeah. know? And, uh, I'd be the Latin mom. And uh, <laughs> reminding me how dumb my choice just was. God only asked them one question. Who told you you were naked? Yeah. yeah. What God's actually asking them is not, why did you destroy the whole universe? He's saying, what voice did you let into your head that lied to you about who you are? So even when, because that was the first disobedience of all time, mm -hmm. right? And so even when God was betrayed for the first time by man, he didn't even like acknowledge the betrayal. He acknowledged the fact that we were feeling shame and yeah. we, were, we were in pain. And that we let a lie. Well. Yeah convince us it was true because when the serpent says if you eat from this fruit you'll become like God they were already like God yeah. they were created in an image and likeness and so what they were convinced of is that they were less than they actually were oh my gosh we talk so much about how <laughs> this is what I want okay a couple years ago, I've seen everything you've ever done. A couple years ago, you <laughs> talked about how you don't really like to give the devil that much attention. And we talk a lot oh, about the devil every, on this podcast. On everything we go, oh, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. <laughs> blame it on the enemy. I saw that in the questions. And, I thought, <laughs> and, and Aaron has a, um, he always has a little asterisk for me. He goes, yeah. be nice. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how Eric feels about that, trust me. <laughs> if you don't like the question, Dad, be nice. <laughs> no, it's okay if you don't like the question. Tell us no, if you no, don't no. like the question, but no. how do you, why don't you like to give the enemy so much <laughs> attention? I don't know. What, right. what, do you, why, what is your reasoning? I don't know if you remember when you learned how to ride a bike. Yes. And uh, if someone made the mistake of saying, don't hit that tree yeah. or look out for that tree, that was a pretty much 100 guarantee you're gonna hit that tree. Yeah. Because the moment they tell you, watch out for the tree, that's all you're watching out for. Yeah. And you hit it. What they should actually be saying is, keep your eyes on the sidewalk. I know. Yeah. Because yeah. the moment you keep your eyes on the sidewalk, the tree is irrelevant. Yeah. The moment you're focusing on the devil all the time, 
that's what you're going to run into. Yeah. Wow. And you're going to see the devil everywhere. Yeah. All right, GGB gang, if you know us, we love getting our nails done. Huge nail girls. <laughs> you will never see us come on here without our nails done, all right? But we know that the nails get really expensive, so we have been loving Olive and June. Olive and June, thank you God for <laughs> Olive and June. You guys, we're our nails right now. I have acrylics on right now, but on top of them, I painted with Snow Bunny and Frosty on top, and I am loving it. Those look so good. It's so cute. Uh, and what do you have, the press-ons? So I have the press-ons on, and they are so convenient. Mm -hmm. I've never worn press-ons. I'm obsessed with them. And so natural. I yeah. love it. What I love about Olive and June is you get salon quality manicures in a box. Yeah, and you'll get to customize your box with your choice of six polishes. You guys, this polish doesn't chip for seven days. Every time I buy a nail polish, it literally chips within a day or two. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not going to believe this. It's it breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Can you believe we pay like $120 every other week? You know what I love? I love their award-winning cuticle serum. Yes, and the acetone-free polish remover pot. It's so good. You guys, it's so much cheaper than going to a salon. And the thing with Olive and June is I used to hate painting my nails at home, but because it comes in a whole box, like mm -hmm. it's like a little mini salon, it's so much easier. Like it's it's easy to paint your nails. Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of fun too it because is. you can pick something different every time. You don't yeah. get bored. Yeah. I have also had so many more compliments on these nails than I do when I go to the salon. Yeah. And I was just in Florida last week and I painted my mom's nails. I painted my sister-in-law's nails and they were like, send me the link for this. Visit oliveandjune.com slash GGB for 20% off your first Olive and June system. That was O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash GGB for 20% off your first Olive and June system. You feel the presence of the enemy though. What do you do? in that moment if you feel it like or if you feel evil or yeah, if you feel you know how would you get rid of that <laughs> you just say right. I rebuke this in the name of Jesus and well, move on? Well, I don't know if I usually talk about this on podcast I have had at least uh, I've had a few situations where um, I've had encounters with people who came up uh, and ended up speaking multiple voices yeah. uh -oh. or bought guns to being told to kill me mm -hmm. and um, so I have had experiences are really dark, demonic. And and I still don't think that we're healthy in the way we think about the devil. First mm -hmm. of all, the devil is not God's brother. He's not Jesus's brother. Yeah. He doesn't have the same powers as Jesus. Yeah. We talk about the devil as if he's all powerful, all knowing, and all present. Mm -hmm. So if everyone is being attacked by the devil, that means he's all present. Yeah. Which is a lie. He wants you to think he's everywhere. He can only be at one place at a time. Right. Only God can be everywhere. Yeah. At all times. Yeah. So if you're at home and the devil's attacking you, and you're at home and the devil's attacking you, what are you doing? You're giving the yeah. devil a characteristic that only God deserves. So yeah. it's actually, if you want me to put it, it becomes devil worship. Wow. wow. Because you're giving the devil the attributes of God. I remember I was spoke at this church. It was a great church. And, uh, and right before I walked on stage, I had a sign, not today, devil. No, not today. And I thought, wow. Right before I walk on stage on Sunday morning, to speak from the scriptures about Jesus, they want me to think about the devil. Yeah. That's how unhealthy we've got. Yeah. yeah. All right. The primary reason we think about the devil is we do not want to take responsibility for our lives. Yeah. So I don't think about the devil, and when, um, and when I do think about the devil, 
I use it as a way catalyzing me to think about God. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, because the devil wants you to think about him. And 99% of the stuff in your life isn't the devil. Mm-hmm. That it, all the dark stuff, all the negative stuff. It's a result. I don't, I don't want to say it this way, but you're not that important mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. to the devil. Yeah. Wow. You, you know, like when people are like, oh, devil attacking me, I'm going, I don't know. I think he's attacking someone more influential. I don't know. And uh, like, I got like, you know, if you look at a hierarchy of like spirits, yeah. you know, I got probably got, I got a low level demon <laughs> messing with me. <laughs> I don't know. Mine's pretty strong, man. <laughs> no. And here's, here's the reality. Um, no devil will be like the devil if you don't take responsibility for your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you don't believe that those little thoughts and anxiety and depression, that's not from the enemy? That's just... I think that some things can be from the devil. Mm-hmm. Like, or from like... Evil. Evil. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I think most of the stuff gets into us early on and by things people said to us, right. by pain we experienced, by right. trauma we went through, uh, by our own insecurities and brokenness. And then our souls become an echo chamber. And yeah. we hear those things over and over and over and over and over again. Right. By the way, the devil cannot know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, so I will say, if you are going to pay attention to yeah. like, um, like the, the dark spiritual world, you need to be careful what you say out loud. Yes. And you need to be careful what you do because that can be seen and heard. Yeah. But my inner world, that belongs to me and God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think it's really important to know that, you know? Yeah. And, and there are places in the scriptures where, I, I don't use the word uh, possession, but, um, but I do think that people can be um, oppressed. Yeah. And that they can have actually, uh, I mean, the Bible makes it clear that there are people who were actually demonized. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I've met people and had conversations with people who actually worshiped Satan. Oh, yeah. And invited spirits into their life. Oh, God. And, and it's a really dark and painful reality. But what I, what I would say for you as a follower of Jesus is focus on Jesus, not the devil. Yeah. Definitely. You know, and, and then when you have a negative thought, um, attributing it to the devil may be your way of going, I don't have to take responsibility for it. Right. Yeah. And just maybe it's better to go, I'm going to stop having this thought. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, I think I think the reason why we have we have had such a focus on spiritual warfare throughout this podcast is because we come from like neither Ari or I like we grew up not going to church like that. We didn't sure. read the Bible growing up. Yeah. So we we grew up in environments that were rough in a lot of ways and and um so we and we know a lot of people who struggle severely with depression and anxiety and addiction and we're around we're in hollywood like we're around a lot of scary stuff and we just we really want people to understand that they're not like they have they serve a god who is a deliverer and a healer and a protector and and that but there is a spiritual battle happening i really do believe in spiritual warfare yeah okay but when you look at ephesians chapter six and you look at the armor of god yeah every piece of the armor of god is actually a characteristic of character. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is that we try to do spiritual warfare with superstition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we go, you know, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. But if you're still living in fear, yeah. it doesn't work. Or I go, I, I rebuke the devil. But if you're still bitter yeah. and you won't forgive, yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah. And so the problem is when we turn spiritual warfare into magic. Yeah. 
And you go, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm putting on the armor of God. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, no, Are you're you not, because you're still a liar. Right now? <laughs> <laughs> no. I literally say that. I go, put the armor of God on. No, the way you put on the armor of God is you tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The way you put on the armor of God is you, um, you hold on to hope. The way you put on the armor of God is you become a person of integrity. Yeah. yeah. And the armor of God is your character. Yeah. And, and so I, I try to help people stop living in this magical space and go, no, it's really about your character. Yes. And when you let God change your character, you become powerful. Oh, yes. Look, I, I, I'll go back. I, I mean, I used to be in, in another part of the country, highest crime rate, highest murder rate in the United States at the yeah. time. A guy walks into our building on Sunday morning. and The church building? Yeah. And um, carrying a gun and a knife and saying voices, told them come in and kill me. They brought him into my office. I don't know why they brought him into my office. Right? <laughs> and he, he's sitting with me and he, we're at a table and he hands me his knife and he goes, here, I want you to have my knife. I don't want you to be afraid of me. And I pushed the knife back and said, you can have your knife. I'm not worried about you. We, I want the gun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we're going back and forth. And then this guy looks at me and he says, um, do you want to call us out by name? Because right before that I said, John, if you're hearing voices in your head and they're telling you to come kill me, you're either um, psychologically broken and you need really significant therapy or you're demon-possessed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I literally laid out two options to this guy and that's when he said, do you want to call us out by name? And I listen to this guy and I hear multiple voices come out at the same time. No. And nothing in life ever prepared me for that. Not a master's degree in theology, not a psychiatry or philosophy degree. Wow. No and way. and I looked at him and I he goes do you want us to do you want to call us by name and I said no <laughs> <laughs> I mean I wish I could go you know yeah it was Mel Gibson and Braveheart <laughs> no you know it's like I, I oh can feel warm God. all over my body of fear and I said I just want to talk to John <laughs> you know I want to talk to the human yeah. in there and and I tried to pray for him. And he stood up and he said, no. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, let me pray for you. And I said, all right, you pray to your gods and I'll pray to mine. And then he runs out of my office. And I think he leaves the building. He goes into the auditorium on the stage with a gun and calling all the people together. <gasps> and so I have to, uh, they come and get me. He goes, in the auditorium. So I go through the auditorium. You and kept going? Where they the let guy this was? guy have yeah, a gun? Where were the cops? <laughs> There were no cops. <laughs> oh my God. Cops are writing us parking tickets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like here. But, uh, uh, and I'm walking down the middle aisle and he's up there. And I remember looking at him going, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come down. I said it with a lot more energy. Yeah. And he didn't, and I said it again, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come down. And the third time, just I kept walking toward him. And I, was, I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come down. And the guy looked at me. And he just crumbled off that stage and got on his knees on the floor. And, wow. um, and what's really funny is there was a film crew there from England doing a documentary on the work we were doing there. Yeah. And we were sending people out for interviews afterwards. And he went out the door and they thought he was our next interview. So we got him on film. No way. <laughs> Do you have it? Yeah, we have it somewhere. Wow. And all I'm telling you is that in that moment, I didn't think of the phrase in the name of Jesus as a magical phrase, like 
abacadabra. Yeah. And, the, and that's why I think Christians think of language yeah. like that. Yes. What I knew in that moment was I'm standing where I think Jesus would stand, doing what I convinced Jesus would do to protect all the people in this place. Wow. If he was going to shoot anyone, it was going to be me. And I, I think sometimes we try to make everything superstitious rather yeah. than actually um, like character-based. Right. So and right. I think doing things in the name of Jesus means you're standing where Jesus would stand doing what Jesus would do. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you don't have to say the right phrase. You just have to stand in that presence. Wow. So did he look different to you after you said that and you just crumbled? No, when he got up, he started asking my name and I said, I told him my name and he started screaming my name. He's like, Erwin, I'll be back. Wow. And I said, I'll be here. <laughs> and, uh, you, you, you didn't feel even like one little thing of fear? In that moment, not at all. I can't believe That's it. That's incredible. God, Adam. Wow. Well, Go ahead. While we're on the subject of the devil. Um, Are we on the subject of the devil? <laughs> we have one more question. How can God send anyone to hell if he loves us all so much? That's a question everyone has. Well, that's an interesting question because you said it was about the devil, but then you ask about hell. But it actually does tie together. Yeah. Because hell was never created for humans. It was yeah. only created for the devil and, and for the angels demons. who fell. Yeah. And God doesn't send anyone to hell. Mm. All God is doing is trying to keep us from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, the language is important. Yeah. You know, the reason we've used the language of God sends people to hell is because really judgmental, condemning religious people wanted people to live in fear. Yeah. That God was sending you to hell. Yeah. And that should have never been the narrative. It should have always been God's trying to bring you to life. Yeah. And, and for a lot of people, life is um, very much a reflection of hell. They're in Absolutely. extreme poverty. Yes. They're in lives of violence and yeah. injustice and pain and suffering. Um, they're not afraid of hell. They're trying to figure out how to find some heaven in their life. Yeah. To have some you know meaning. And what we need to understand is that God is always the one fighting for us, and um, not trying to condemn us. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So true. I know. I, I, I really like that you put language to that because there are so many questions as Christians that I think we know the answer to, but then we don't know how to articulate it. And right. I think a lot of people have trouble being openly Christian because they don't feel prepared to answer those really hard questions yeah. that people mm -hmm. are going to ask. Um, I did want to ask you, Can, in your opinion, do you think that you can lose your salvation? You can't lose something that isn't yours. Wow. And like your salvation isn't something that you're like given like a, a car. <laughs> right. And uh, um, your, your, your salvation is something that in a sense belongs to God. Yeah. He, you, he's waiting for you to invite him to mm -hmm. change your life. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, so when you look at the scriptures and you go, oh, if anyone's in Christ, they're a brand new creation. Mm -hmm. And so you've become something new. You, you might... Um, have a bad day and wish that you had not been transformed, but you still are transformed. Wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like saying, um, can a caterpillar, once it becomes a butterfly, become a caterpillar again? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The answer is no, once you become a butterfly, it's out of your hands. Yeah. You can become a bad butterfly. <laughs> you, can be a, you can be a butterfly who never flies because yeah. you want to act like a caterpillar, mm. but you still are a caterpillar. Right, right. And, and so I, I don't think of my salvation as something that I can lose because it's not something that I earned. Yeah. You know, if I earned my salvation, then I could lose it. Yeah. If I worked for it, then maybe I could, you know, work my way out of it. Right. But it's not. And, you know, it's, 
when you begin to realize, oh, it's actually a, a shift in essence. You are now alive. Yeah. And, and so you can't go from being alive to being dead again. Mm -mm. But you can go from uh, being alive to acting like you're dead. Okay, now this sponsor, I am personally very happy mm -hmm. to be working with because I have a personal testimony with them, and that is HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. You guys, HelloFresh is farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients sent directly to your doorstep. So you get to make these meals and they do all the hard work, but you get the credit for it. Yeah, you guys, and there's so many options. HelloFresh menu includes over 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every week. Exactly, and HelloFresh is so much more than just dinners. It's easy breakfasts, quick lunches, fresh snacks all throughout the day. And didn't you used to, you used to use it all the time, right? Yeah, I use it. So I got HelloFresh during quarantine, and it was truly life-changing because I used to hate cook like I was not interested in cooking at all and it was hard and I would mess up and yeah. I would burn things and I would like not portion things correctly yeah. and then HelloFresh made it so easy because you can't mess it up it's foolproof and during quarantine I was cooking for my whole family and they were loving it and I love taking care of them with really not having to put that much work <laughs> in but just getting so much out of it oh, that's so convenient I love that okay guys so you're gonna go to hellofresh.com slash 50 ggb and use code 50 ggb for 50% off and you get an extra 15% off in the next two months again that was hellofresh.com slash 50 ggb use code 50GGB for 50% off and you get an extra 15% off in the next two months. Thank you, HelloFresh. A lot of people live in fear that got, like even if they're saved, that they still might not. We got so many questions of people being like, I, what if you, wh what if I'm scared that I'm still going to hell even though I accepted Jesus? Like a lot of people live in fear like that. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, most of the people, when I would work with people who are, um, like psychotic, yeah. It, it's amazing how many of them use religious, religious language. How many of them would think they're going to hell? How many thought that God was against them? What ends up happening is that we end up thinking too much about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly in fear that you're still going to hell, my answer to you is stop thinking about yourself. Yeah. And start thinking about other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Paul actually said. Uh, I would choose to be accursed. I would choose to go to hell so that all the people I love could actually come to faith. Wow. And so when you actually have a faith that's real and dynamic, you're not only not afraid of going, you're not even afraid of going because you're alive. Yeah. And hell wouldn't know what to do with you because you're alive. Yeah. yeah. It couldn't hold you mm -hmm. because you're alive. Yeah. And, you know, when the Bible talks about um, the dead and the living. And you, um, if, if you were somehow, you know, if this was a, a movie and you were sucked into hell, um, it couldn't hold you because you're alive. Wow. It's incapable of it. It's like trying to hold water with a net. And it, it, hell is incapable of holding you back. Um, when is Jesus coming back? <laughs> is it in my lifetime? I have great news for you. <laughs> Jesus already came back. Yeah, 2,000 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the moment you can um, fully experience this presence in this life, yeah. you'll never need to know when he's coming back again. So true. That yeah. is a perfect answer. That's so good. The reason we keep hoping Jesus comes back is because he's not fully present in our lives wow. right now. Wow. 
Yeah, that's I love that you say that because I I the only reason I ever think like when is Jesus whenever people talk about it I mm-hmm. always have a deep knowing that I'm just I, I just feel like I don't really I don't really care it doesn't really matter to me because he's here I'm yeah. here we're mm-hmm. together already so that's yeah. really interesting that it's you interesting. say that his disciples asked him and he said I don't know yeah so if Jesus answered I don't know everyone who thinks they know is lying yeah either to themselves or to everyone else yeah. There are more books written about the second coming than Jesus said he had information about. Wow. When they said, Lord, when's the consummation of the age? He goes, I don't know. Only the Father knows that. Wow. And then I go, wow, then we have all these Christians writing all these books about when is the end times. Yeah. They're actually saying they know more than Jesus. Not good. No, nah, it's, it's, it's a pretty arrogant position. Yeah. You know? And then Jesus not only came back when he rose from the dead, but he said he had to ascend into heaven so his spirit could come so he came back when he came to dwell within us. How many times does he need to come back for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> true. Yeah, I know, I know. It's so true. I know. Yeah. This isn't on the paper, but I always wonder about this, and I just wanted to ask you. So do you believe that everything happens for a reason, like our life is already predestined, he already knows what's going to happen? No. Okay. You don't? I don't. I think that, I don't think everything happens for a reason. I think we need to give reason to everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because we're the ones who decide how to interpret our experiences. Yeah. And that's why two people can go through pain and come out differently. Yeah. Two people come out, can go through trauma and come out differently. Because it's not what you experience that shapes you. It's how you respond to those experiences that shape you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's get back to the other side of the question is, um, about is everything determined? Mm-hmm. By the way, um, there's actually a society of scientific atheists mm-hmm. yeah. that meet together usually every year. And in one of their conferences, they um, talked about how um, they were all deterministic. They believed that everything was set into place. Yeah. So what's interesting to me is that atheists and Calvinists have the same view, that everything is predetermined, mm-hmm. that everything's already set into place. Right. And so an atheist believes it's all already predicted because of math. Mm. So you have an illusion of choosing, but you don't, you're not really choosing, it's all the math. Yeah. Mm. And Calvinists believe the same thing, except it's not math. They think that God has already preset every choice. But here's the crazy thing. Um, the only thing that can't exist without free will is love. Wow. Because you cannot force someone to love someone else. Mm-hmm. If you had no choice then love does not exist. When people say, well, no, it's, it's all to glorify God. The Bible doesn't tell us that God did all this for his glory. Because if God was only about glorifying himself, he did a terrible job. Mm-hmm. Because billions of people don't even acknowledge him, so they're not glorifying him. Wow. And then we're living inadequate lives, so we're not glorifying him perfectly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was all about glorifying God. The strategy did not work. Mm. Why would God give us free will? if free will would, in a sense, steal glory from him. Yeah. It's because with free will, love can exist. Mm-hmm. And when we have the right to choose and the power to choose, then love can be true. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I love about the scriptures, what I love about the God of the Bible, is that the driving principle of the universe is love. Yeah. It explains everything God does and explains the mess of it all, because love is messy. When you make love the guiding principle, things like pain happen. 
Mm-hmm. Things like suffering happen. Mm-hmm. Things that you don't want to happen, bad things happen, because love gives the space for choice. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely do not believe that your life is already predetermined. I do not believe that your choices are an illusion. In fact, I think it's what makes you uniquely human. I I would be, I was a part of a conference called TED for like 20 years. I go to the the TED conferences where they focus Mm -hmm. on technology, entertainment, design, and they say the brightest thinkers in the world were a part of that community. And I realized after a while, every species was valued except for humans. Like, you know, whales were valued and penguins. You'd march with the penguins and, you know, you'd study why one plant could change an entire ecosystem. And, yeah. But whenever they would talk about humans, it always felt really like demeaning. Mm-hmm. And so I took some time, started studying what makes humans different than every other species. And what humans can do that no other species can do is we can materialize the invisible. Human beings have an imagination. Yeah. We can actually dream. And then out of those dreams, we create. Mm -hmm. Everything that is created in this room existed in someone's imagination before it actually became a material reality. Mm -hmm. And what humans do that no other species can do is humans create futures. Mm -hmm. In the same way that bees create hives and ants create colonies and beavers create dams and silkworms create silk, humans create futures. Every time you choose, you're creating a future. And so the question isn't, can you create? That's what it means to be created in the image of God. Yeah. Yeah. The question is, what will you create? Yeah. So not only do I not believe the future is set, I don't think the future comes to you. I think the future comes through you. Yes, wow. yeah, because we create it. I guess for me, I look at my life, even how I was in such a dark time, and then Angela comes into my life, mm-hmm. and then we start this podcast, and it just it seemed so planned by God that I'm like... Oh, that's different. Okay. Because God... Not only are you choosing, right? Do you ever have someone else make a choice that affected your life? Yes. yes. Like, it's sometimes painfully, sometimes positive. Yeah. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. When Angela and you chose each other, that became a positive choice yes. that someone else made that affect your life in a positive way. Yeah. yeah. But you can be driving down a road and a drunk driver runs a red light and cripples you or kills you yeah. or right. hurts you. That's someone else's choice affecting you. Right. And so you realize that we live in this incredibly like dynamic, complicated universe where other choices are affecting us. Yeah. Someone else is choosing that we're not paying attention to. God chooses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God chooses you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God chooses your future. And God chooses to take all your mess and create something beautiful out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. And so what you need to realize is in the same way that some other human being's choice can affect you, God's bigger choice affects you. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. The universe is leveraged in your favor because God is choosing for you. Right. Amen. Amen. On that note, can can you, because we talk about this all the time, do you think that we can mess up the pl- anything that God has for us? Well, here's God's plan for your life a future and a hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it says. I know my plans for you. Plans of welfare, not destruction, Mm -hmm. with a future and a hope. We think God's plan is a micromanager plan. This is what you're going to do on Tuesday. This is what you're going to wear on Thursday. (laughs) You're going to both change your hair to look the same on Friday. (laughs) Do you really think? He's a part of that? (laughs) No. (laughs) And uh, we act as if God's micromanaging every choice. Yeah. No, God's choice for you is a future and a hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no matter how much you try to destroy your future, he still chooses a future for you. Right. No matter how much you try to destroy hope, he's always going to choose hope for you. And the interesting thing about hope is that hope only exists in the future. 
hope cannot exist in the past. It's called yeah. regret. And so there's this wonderful human dynamic where God creates us as yeah. future creatures. In fact, in uh, Hebrews, when it says that um, faith is the substance of things not seen, mm-hmm. the assurance of things hoped for, yeah. what it's actually telling us is that humans are future invisible creatures, that we're designed for the future, and because hope only exists in the future. Yeah. And we're designed to live in this invisible space that changes the visible space. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, when the Bible says that God created everything, Christians normally say God created everything out of nothing, right? Yeah. But that's not what the Bible says. That's why it's really important to actually read the Bible yeah. and yeah. not just what people say about the Bible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because what the Bible actually says is that everything that is visible was created out of that which is invisible. It doesn't say he created out of nothing. He created it out of something that's invisible. Mm. Now, the oxygen in this room is something, but it's invisible. Yeah. If it was nothing, we'd all suffocate. Yeah. What is the invisible material that God used to create the visible reality? His imagination. Yeah. Everything existed in the dreams of God. You were a dream of God before you ever took a breath. You, were, you were alive and created in God's imagination before you ever came into existence. And so, yes, God is dynamically involved in your life, and you can't mess up his plan for your life because the future wins. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't mean that you can't go off course and live a life he wished you had not lived. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't make decisions he wished you had not made and yeah. even he might have told you not to make. Yeah. But he leverages everything in your favor so that the future is always yours. Yeah, he does. That's comforting. Yeah, he mm-hmm. does. Do you, real quick, do you think Pete... God brings people in your life to teach you lessons sometimes? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And sometimes he gives you what you want to teach you lessons. Okay. You're, we have, I'm married. My spouse, my spouse passes away. Then I get remarried. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who do we go with? Well, how do we do that when we get to heaven? <laughs> 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 do are we married in heaven? Do we like, know each other? Which one do we go with? First of all, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this one wasn't on the list of questions. And um, I think well, one well, you know each other, of course. Yeah. You will know each other more deeply and more beautifully than you ever knew each other on earth. Yeah. yeah. And in this life, whatever we experience is intimacy. It's just a drop in the bucket of the intimacy we'll experience with all of each other yeah. in eternity. Mm. And so we, we worry about, oh, one minute, am I going to love this person or this person more? Am I going to be closer to this person this person? What I'm going to say is in heaven, you're not going to have any separation from anyone. Right, mm. right. And it's not romantic. I, I think it's all romantic because right. it's all love. Right, yeah. right. But it's not all sexual. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that love will be more profound, more deep. Yeah. Yeah, because I love pizza <laughs> and I love Kim. Yeah. But they're not the same kind of love. Right, right. You know, we know the different layers of love in this life. Right. And I don't think any layer in this life will even begin to touch the layers that will step into an eternity. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. I can't wait to get to heaven. <laughs> you also asked a question about yes. do I think that... Um, Everyone in hell has a place or yeah. a chance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you do, skipped it? Yes, and that's really important. That was. Do you go um, dire- Do you go directly to hell if you don't believe in Jesus, or do you go to purgatory slash? Do you yeah. have a second? I knew chance? one of you had to be Catholic because both of us. But yeah, yeah. it's me. Okay, one purgatory actually doesn't exist. Okay. Okay, and uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just no, saying no. that um, a lot of our views were created because we tried to help God look better. 
Wow. And it's, it's, uh, it's the reason um, as Catholics uh, we would baptize infants is because during the plagues, a lot of infants were dying. Yeah. And since they hadn't been baptized, people thought they were going to hell. Mm. So they were baptizing infants so that parents wouldn't live in fear that their children were going to go to hell. Wow. It's not, uh, it would have been so much better to say, of course God would not send your baby to hell. Yeah. God's a loving God. And, but we create rituals to try to help us escape the fear of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and so we create purgatory because we don't really know what to do with people that aren't like evil, evil. Yeah. But not good, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like so true. Me? <laughs> you know? What do we do with people like me? We just sort of go to purgatory, right? And wait it out and hope that something good happens, yeah. right? What I, one of the things I love in the, in the scriptures is that it says that Jesus, after he was crucified, he descended into hell. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. And he proclaimed freedom to the captives. Wow. And it's in, in Matthew, it says that when Jesus died, that the tombs opened up and the dead came back to life. Yeah. And that people in Jerusalem actually saw the dead now alive walking among them. Wow. And so there's this image in the Bible where Jesus goes into hell, he proclaims freedom to everyone, and he unlocks hell so people can be free. Wow. And what we need to realize is that heaven and hell are outside of time yeah so that means when jesus descended into hell in that moment everyone who ever was or ever would be in hell had jesus come to them personally yeah to invite them to freedom wow and i just know that god loves humanity more than i ever could and if i want everyone to have a chance to be free then my compassion doesn't even touch the compassion of God. Yeah, yeah. And and so I, I when I read that I go, way to go, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you are not trapped by time or space. Mm -hmm. In the same way, the Bible says that you're already seated in the heavenlies. We're already transcendent. We exist here and in eternity. In the same way, everyone who ever died, no one. I'm convinced that no one stays in hell that doesn't choose it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, um, and, and God fights for everyone because he fights for love. The problem is and, you know, that when we try to make God like so judgmental, heaven is not Stockholm Syndrome yeah. where God takes you hostage even though you don't want to be with him. So you eventually love him because you can't escape. Mm -hmm. Because if you did not want to know love and forgiveness, if you did not want to be around a God who's holy and pure and beautiful. Yeah being forced to be with him forever would be hell to you. So in a sense, if you choose darkness and evil, if you choose hatred and violence, God's presence is hell to you. And that's, that's the irony. Mm -hmm. It's not that a person in a sense gets sent to hell, it's that a person, and it's hard for us to believe, but a person might choose, choose. to hold on to hate yeah. rather than love. 100%. And God gives you the right to hold on to that if you mm -hmm. choose it. Wow. Wow. That made me emotional. That's, yep. that's incredible. What a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And it's, it's, you articulate it in such a powerful really way do. when it's so, it's such a difficult question yeah. to answer. Okay. You know what? I just, I, we have one last question for you. Okay. And it's because we're a little bit new to this whole thing, right? We're just a couple months into this podcast. We wanted to know, uh, do you get hate? And if you do, do you have any advice? Because <laughs> we've gotten a little hate in our How time. in the world does anyone hate you guys? 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I've lived with hate my whole life. Yeah. And, um, if you choose to be public, yeah. you're going to choose to have criticism. Yeah. If you choose to have any opinion, you're going to choose to have criticism. Yeah. And if you choose to love Jesus publicly, you're going to have criticism. And ironically, you're going to have more criticism from Christians than non-Christians. It's the only people we have criticism. <laughs> Non-Christians almost have they never criticized us. No. I know. But I like growing one, I've been a fairly public person for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, you know, my son, Mariah, uh, you know, my daughter, they, they've had to live under the weight of massive criticism yeah. all their life. Yeah. There was nothing Aaron could ever do that people were not watching under a microscope, mm-hmm. trying to find a reason to mm-hmm. hate us. Mm-hmm. Nothing I could do. And even this week, I, I, I got someone who DM'd me from Australia saying, make your life count. Like my life wasn't counting because wow. I wasn't making the right choices in my life because I didn't talk enough about Jesus. And then I had another person DM me this week going, what the heck, he didn't use that language, but yeah. um, are you doing? You, you know, why, why, because I work a lot in the business space. Yeah. Most of my podcasts are about personal development, you know, thinking at a higher level, in business success. I mean, yeah. I, I'm in a whole different world all the time. People want me because I started Mosaic to only speak on Sunday, only speak from the Bible, only talk about Jesus. Yeah. Right. But I, I like sports. Yeah. I like physics. I like science. Um, you know, I like business. I, I, I like thinking at a higher level. And so I'm a person that's going to talk about everything, yeah. but they don't want me to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so you're always going to get hate. And yeah. you are, I, I know because you did a master class, uh, The Art of Communication, mm-hmm. and you are truly like one of the most gifted communicators I've ever seen in my life. And for you to not be able to go out and sp- and and help teach that gift and educate mm-hmm. people is wild to me. I've always said this about you, Mosaic, everybody. You guys are so incredible at what you do, and it's because of y- y- Mosaic is so is full of a lot of younger people, right? Yeah. And so people want to discredit that for yeah. some reason. It doesn't make any sense. And something else that I always think is what like why just because you 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 are a pastor that means that you're not allowed to make money. Yeah, I always thought it was funny. If I only got paid for the church by the church, people would go. You see, you're making all your money in the church. Exactly. Yeah. But because I'm a business guy and I make uh, a great deal of money in the business world, we go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not allowed to do that. You, you can't be a business guy and a pastor. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, or you can't be successful and a pastor because you have to choose to be unsuccessful. Yes. And I, and, and to be humble, right? Eventually, you have to decide, oh, I'm just going to live the life I'm created to live. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. Just yeah. realize the people who are criticizing you, um, they're really angry about their life. Right, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I realize, oh, they... They're trying to live like vicariously through me, and if mm. I don't live the life they need me to live, they get upset. So true. And yeah. you know, people listening to you, and they, they might be upset, going, "Why did they get all this influence? Why is their podcast blowing up? Yeah. You know, why why not me? Yeah. And and the reason is because they're spending their life criticizing other people, yeah. <laughs> rather than creating. So true. And and so my encouragement to you is one: try not to read them I know. as much as possible. We've gotten better about it. Yeah, and and realize that you have so many people who love you. Yeah. And uh, but if you're like me, you might get 100 people who love you and you only listen to the one who hates yeah. you, right? So and then it, and it hits you hard. And so one lets you know you're still sensitive, lets you know you're still human. It lets yeah. you know you're still humble. Yeah. You, you know, but then you got to just put it aside and, and just live the life you're created to live yeah. and enjoy it. You're allowed 
to enjoy your life. Yes. <laughs> you know? we, at one point, we felt like we, we couldn't no, we do were, anything. Yeah, we were like, I'm going to wear <laughs> we're potato sack <laughs> and we're I'm going to wear like, a trash bag over our heads. We were like, I don't know what to do. Uh, okay, so basically what you're saying is don't listen to the prophet who openly rebuked us on Instagram <laughs> the other day. Is what you're saying. Oh, you should see the video. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. much. Pastor Erwin McManus, you are incredible. Right now you have, what do you have going on? You have your podcast. The MindShift Podcast. We do. Aaron and I uh, together lead uh, MindShift Podcast. We yeah. have so much fun. And we also have a community, uh, a master class called The Arena. Yeah. Wow. And it's a monthly membership people can join. And we talk about, it's really focused on communication, leadership, character, and big ideas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's where we go just talk about every big idea we can think of. And uh, I love talking about philosophy or theology or yeah. culture or leadership. And so Incredible. We, yeah, we go in there. And then we have a conference coming up on October. October 6th and 7th. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out. Yeah, it, this is yes. coming out this week. So okay. Where so is that? It's at Mosaic on, in Hollywood. It's not our Mosaic one. church conference. It's the first time I've ever done a business conference. I invited a lot of my friends, some of them who are not followers of Jesus yeah. to speak. Yeah. I've got uh, people like uh, Lewis Howe speaking. Wow. If you know, he has the, the yeah. um, School of Greatness. And uh, Jamie Kern Lima, who is one of the few women in the world who started a company from scratch, wow. sold it for $1.2 billion after nine years. I have a friend named John Gordon, who I met when he was a Jewish Buddhist energy coach. Now he's a really passionate follower of Jesus, written like wow. 40 books, and he's one of the uh, main speakers to like NFL and sports, you know, baseball and college sports. And um, we have a guy named um, uh, Todd Herman coming who helped Kobe Bryant develop the um, image of Black Mamba. Wow. He coaches like Rafael awesome. Nadal. And so I, I want just, I just basically asked a lot of my friends in the business world, would you come and do a conference? Yeah. And so we're doing this, uh, the arena live in Los Angeles. So it's going to be so much fun. We're going to be there. We encourage everybody Please. to go get tickets. We'll put it in the description. Everyone needs a good business class. Seriously. Gosh, thank you so much, Pastor Irwin. You thank are you. an angel. We appreciate you so much. Well, we love you guys so much. Thank you, yeah. thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having thank me. So much. Thanks, guys. Incredible. So you were married your husband died? <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> no, she's not married. Oh, okay. <laughs>